RTHK News. It's one o'clock. I'm Sean Kennedy. The headlines. LegCo discusses electoral reforms, which pro-Beijing politicians say will strengthen the SAR. But a critic urges Democrats to shun the new electoral system to avoid legitimising what he called rigged elections. A medical expert warns that the so-called cruises to nowhere could end up spreading coronavirus. And Beijing warns that efforts to find the source of the coronavirus must not be politicised. Lawmakers are expected to approve legislation today that will sharply reduce the number of directly elected legislators and alter the composition and role of the committee that picks the chief executive. The changes will slash the number of directly elected seats and set up a panel to vet all candidates. They also give new powers to to a revamped and expanded CE election committee, which can now nominate LegCo candidates and select 40 lawmakers through block voting. Calls to cast spoilt ballots or not vote at all are outlawed and punishable by up to three years in jail. The DAB's Holden Chow says time will prove the value of the reforms. I do understand that there are people who tend to smear or discredit this sort of improvement of our electoral system. But I wish to say time will prove. It may take some time, but as soon as the government is able to show some impact on policy reform, that will be able to restore the public confidence. And I think going forward, the entire LASCO will really focus on livelihood issues. We don't have to bother with filibustering, all those disruptions. Time will tell, and I'm sure that will continue to thrive. An academic in Chinese studies says if Democrats participate in December's LegCo polls, they'll be legitimising what he calls rigged elections. Kevin Carrico, a senior research fellow at Monash University in Melbourne, told RTHK's Backchat programme there was a fine line between representing the aspirations of citizens and compromising and colluding with an unrepresentative system. In the past, I can certainly understand compromising, working within an imperfect system made sense. However, I think that at this point, the political system in Hong Kong is beyond really any sense of representativeness, beyond any sense of redemption. And I feel that essentially Democrats participating in this system would indeed be essentially window dressing. But Brian Wong, founding editor-in-chief at Oxford Political Review, said pan-Democrats were needed to make politics and reforms work. In the absence of formal legislative presence, a political party would be little more than just a pressure group, a lobbying organisation, an effective coalition group that may be able to push forward civil society initiatives, but you would lack the resources and wherewithal within the legislature. So far, the Democratic Party has held off on making a decision until September over whether it will participate in the elections. A specialist in respiratory medicine says the cruises to nowhere announced by the government will only be safe if Hong Kong's vaccination rate is high enough. Dr. Leung Chi Chu says even though passengers and crew must be vaccinated but must be inoculated, the COVID jabs don't provide 100% protection. He says infections on board might be difficult to detect over a short journey and infected passengers may bring the disease back into the community where it can spread if most people don't have immunity. Just under 20% of the population have had their first vaccine dose, but the World Health Organization says at least 60% is needed to achieve herd immunity. 
Chinese officials have warned that efforts to determine the exact origin of the coronavirus must not be politicised. The remarks from the Chinese embassy in Washington follow an instruction given by President Biden to the US intelligence services to examine where the virus came from. There's been growing speculation in the US media that COVID-19 accidentally leaked from a laboratory in Wuhan, a claim strongly denied by Beijing. Is the BBC's Will Grant. There have been news reports based on information from the intelligence community. What we don't know is whether or not the news reports and the information they were receiving about the fact that three members of the Wuhan Virology Institute were hospitalised in late 2019, exactly how reliable those reports were and exactly to what extent these researchers were hospitalised, what their symptoms were and so on. I think what President Biden's trying to do is is get some clarity on those sorts of questions. The Australian state of Victoria has announced a seven-day lockdown starting at midnight tonight to contain a new outbreak of COVID-19. At least 34 people have tested positive for the disease in the state following several months of almost no community transmission in Australia. Here's the BBC's Shama Khalil. Announcing the lockdown, the acting state premier of Victoria, James Merlino, said the virus was running faster than ever recorded. COVID-19 vaccinations will now be available to anyone over the age of 40. Take-up of the vaccine has been slow in Australia. Mr. Merlano said that if more people had been vaccinated, the state would be facing a different situation. The lockdown is the most severe step taken in the country since Melbourne was the centre of Australia's second wave of COVID-19, which began in June last year, killing more than 800 people. The source of the current outbreak is believed to be linked to a leak from the hotel quarantine system. Australia's ambassador to China, Graham Fletcher, says it's deeply regrettable that he was turned away from a Beijing courthouse where Australian academic Yang Jun is on trial for spying. Mr Fletcher cited concerns about the lack of transparency in the case and what he said was arbitrary detention. There was heavy security outside the courtroom. Yang Jun, who's 56, maintains his innocence. He was arrested on a rare return to China in January 2019. At least eight people have been killed and several others injured in a shooting at a rail yard in the U.S. state of California. Police say the gunman who worked at the rail facility in the city of San Jose appears to have died from a self-inflicted gunshot following the incident. The governor of California, Gavin Newsom, expressed exasperation that mass shootings continue to happen. There's a numbness I imagine some of us are feeling about this because there's a sameness to this. You know, anywhere USA... It just feels like this happens over and over and over again. Rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. All of us gathered here today looking at this scene, listening to governors, mayors, chiefs, speaking similar tone and terms, expression of condolences, all the right emotions and perhaps the right words, but it begs the damn question, what the hell is going on in the United States of America? What the hell is wrong with us? Climate activists have won a groundbreaking ruling in a Dutch court against the oil giant Shell. Friends of the Earth, which launched the case, said the verdict was an enormous victory for millions of people threatened by climate change. The court ruled that Shell must cut its greenhouse gas emissions by almost half by the end of the decade, compared with 2019 levels. The lead lawyer for Friends of the Earth, Roger Cox, says all of Shell's companies must abide by the ruling. It does have an international effect because what is ruled according to Dutch law, because the headquarters of Royal Dutch Shell are vested in The Hague in the Netherlands. So the court order means that the worldwide emissions of all Shell companies, and Shell is active in about 80 countries uh, uh, worldwide, that the 
totality of those emissions that these 1,100 shell companies uh, generate should be reduced by 45% in 2030. The, so although it's a, a national verdict, according to national law, it does have an international effect. The Royal Navy in Britain has appointed its first female admiral since it was founded nearly 500 years ago. Jude Terry said she was honoured to be the first and predicted she wouldn't be the last. She'll take up the job next year. The BBC's Jonathan Beale reports. The promotion of Jude Terry to Rear Admiral marks another important milestone for women serving in the Royal Navy. She joined the Navy in 1997, just seven years after they were first allowed to serve at sea on a warship. It wasn't until 2013 that the Navy lifted its ban on women on submarines. Commodore Terry, who's 42 and hails from Jersey, has spent much of her career at sea, in the Gulf, Far East and the Caribbean. The scientific papers and personal possessions of the British physicist Professor Stephen Hawking are to be maintained as items of national importance. Most of his 10,000-page archive will be kept at Cambridge University Library alongside the works of Professor Hawking's own scientific heroes, Isaac Newton and Charles Darwin. Here's the BBC's Palab Ghosh. The star attraction for historians will be Professor Hawking's research papers and correspondence with his collaborators. They're a record of how his unique mind worked. But the collection encompasses his personal as well as his professional life. Particularly touching is a letter to his father when he was six years old, signed with hugs and kisses. The collection also includes a script from his first appearance on The Simpsons in 1999. In it, Professor Hawking becomes intrigued by Homer's theory of a donut-shaped universe. Eric Carle, the author and illustrator of the much-loved children's book The Very Hungry Caterpillar, has died at the age of 91. The book was first published in 1969 and went on to sell more than 50 million copies. Here's the BBC's Tom Harrigan. Born in New York in 1929, Eric Carle spent the Second World War in his parents' native Germany, but always dreamt of returning to the States. He got a job as a graphic artist for the New York Times and was headhunted to collaborate on the picture book Brown Bear, Brown Bear, What Do You See? in 1967. Two years later, Eric Carle would create the work that made his name. The very hungry caterpillar started at a stack of paper and I playfully punched holes into the stack of paper. And I looked at the holes and I thought, right away I thought of a bookworm. In a statement, his family called him a painter of rainbows, who was now travelling across the night sky. Finance now and shares of Next Digital have more than tripled in early trading. The shares were suspended last week when the Security Bureau moved to freeze founder Jimmy Lai's majority shareholding in the publisher of Apple Daily, as well as other assets which it says are linked to national security offences. And HSBC says it will withdraw from the retail banking market in the United States after years of trying to shrink its presence in the country. In a statement, it said it would exit retail banking for individual and small business customers by selling some parts of its business and winding down others. The foreign ministry in Beijing says China and the United States have exchanged views on issues of mutual concern during the first official trade talks under the Biden administration. It said both sides agreed that the development of bilateral trade was very important. In a statement, it described the talks between Vice Premier Liu He and the trade representative Catherine Tai as candid, pragmatic and constructive. Currencies, the US dollar is trading at 109.06 yen. The euro stands at 1 US dollar and 21 cents. The pound is worth 10 Hong Kong dollars and 95 cents. 
A short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 29,081, 76 points down on the previous close. Turnover stands at $92 billion. Sport and Villarreal have beaten Manchester United in the final of the Football Europa League to lift their first ever European trophy. The match in Poland was decided by a marathon penalty shootout following a one-all finish after extra time. Victory for Villarreal means the Spanish club earned promotion to the Champions League next season despite finishing seventh in La Liga. Their midfielder Francis Coquelin says it's a remarkable achievement. Well, it feels really good, you know. Uh, it's been a tough competition, obviously, to play against a very good side like Manchester United. We knew it was going to be tough, but what the end, you know, uh, getting the trophy. We didn't manage to get to the Champions League uh, through the, the league. So to get through the Champions League uh, through Europa League is something special for the club and uh, first title for the club as well. Something amazing, so uh, a great way to finish the season. It took 11 rounds of penalties to decide the title after every outfield player from both sides scored from the spot. The Villarreal keeper, Geronimo Rulli, converted his penalty as well, then saved the shot by David De Gea. Uh, United missed out on their first major trophy in four years. Here's their boss, Oli Gunnar Solskjaer. That's football for you. You know, uh, sometimes it's decided on one kick. And um, that's the difference between win- winning and losing sometimes. And... Uh, Got to learn from that one, got to not savour this feeling, but taste this feeling and make sure you don't get it again. You know, we didn't turn up, we didn't play as well as we uh, we know we can do, especially the last, I think we gradually, uh, I think we started all right. Uh, they got the goal, the only shot they had on target, they score. Of course, disappointed that we conceded a goal again on uh, on a set play, of course, but um, we, we pushed, we pressed, we got the goal, but after we scored, we, we couldn't uh, control the game and uh, dominate as well as we wanted. And the Italian champions Inter Milan have, have confirmed the surprise departure of manager Antonio Conte from the San Siro. He had led the club to their first Serie A title since 2010 after two years in charge. He had one year remaining on his contract. More from the BBC's John Bennett. Antonio Conte's Inter dominated Serie A this year, winning the title with a 12-point lead over second-placed AC Milan. But Inter's majority owners, Suning Holdings Group, are suffering from financial pressures, which are likely to mean cost-cutting and player sales. Those plans clearly didn't match up with Conte's ambitions for the team next season. He's now one of the favourites to take over at Real Madrid if their current coach, Zinedine Zidane, decides to leave. Inter said in a statement that Conte will forever remain a part of the club's history. And to end the news, the top stories once again. LegCo discusses electoral reforms which pro-Beijing politicians say will strengthen the SAR. However, a critic urges Democrats to shun the new electoral system to avoid legitimising what he called rigged elections. And a medical expert warns that the so-called cruises to nowhere could end up spreading coronavirus in Hong Kong. The news from RTHK.
on the bottom. Underprivileged and overly rotten. I heard in Scotland they call it the scheme, so I planned and I plotted to follow my dreams. I put in the work, and where did it hurt? I could have got killed, I could have got murked. I was out of luck with it, but I stuck with it. Now summertime, I'm paying the corral and the visits. So you gotta go home, go home. But you can't just sit there in the depression, wallowing in self pity. Get with the nitty gritty. That's the only way you're ever gonna be sitting pretty. You need to aim for the top to reach the top. Yeah, I preach a lot, but I believe I'm hot. And if you believe you're not, then that's your lot. I put my life on the line just to get what I want. And guess what? Afternoon and welcome to the One Two Three Show with me, Noreen Mir, on this Thursday afternoon, Thursday the twenty seventh of May is today's date. Many thanks once again to Phil Whelan for tuning in today, and also many thanks to Carolyn Wright sitting in for me yesterday. I'll fill you in what I did yesterday later on in the show. But first of all, we have a busy program for you this afternoon. In about 10 minutes or so, we'll be uh, catching up with a local YouTuber, Zayn Saeed, about his rap music and also using social media to share his very funny and serious messages. Um, that's in about 10 minutes or so. And after the 2 o'clock news, Sadia Osmani joins us once again. And today, Sadia will be talking about table manners. And we hope to bring you both those chats via Facebook 